Hello, and welcome to Tell the Damn Story. I am Christopher Ryan, an award-winning hybrid author, teacher, multi-platform creative, and former award-winning journalist. Also on the mic is Kids Comic Con and the Color of Comic Exhibition founder, Alex Simmons. An award winner since 1996, including an Inkpot Award from the San Diego Comic Con and three, count them, three Glyph Awards from the East Coast Black Age of Comics Con. He has written Sherlock Holmes, Tarzan, Batman, Superman, and Scooby-Doo, among so many more characters, and is the creator of the legendary African-American soldier of fortune, Aaron Blackjack Day, whose 1930s adventures comment on today's social problem. On Tell the Damn Story, we celebrate the trials and tribulations, the challenges and joys of creativity, and hopefully along the way, help you decide how you want to tell your own damn story. All right. And today's episode, ladies and gentlemen, brought to you is, by, yes. is brought to us by Read More Books. Yes. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, That's to recommend. we're going to recommend for you Williams, William Evans and Omar Holman's Black Nerd Problems, a collection yes. of essays that talk about uh, pop culture, a wide variety in pop culture in a very fun, hip, very happening way, and then dive deeper, 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 and really uh, bracingly tell the truth as it is. And that's coming out in September, so you can pre-order now. Another thing you can pre-order yeah, is, what is, that? is footnotes, the black artists who rewrote the rules of the Great White Way, and that is Cassine Gaines. This is, a, uh, this is a, the full telling of the story of Shuffle Along and a successful uh, Broadway play, Broadway musical, with an all-black cast, writers, producers, everything, that has been kind of erased. And Cassine Gaines is doing the hard work to unerase that. Fantastic. Looking for a little adventure? Is that what you're looking for? I think well, I'm looking for some adventure. We have the Black Panther, Tales of Wakanda, a groundbreaking anthology from the African diaspora with 18 different authors, including one legendary, mythic, iconic author called Alex Simmons. That's right, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. He's in, he's in Wakanda with everybody else, so yeah. you go ahead and check him out. Um, this is out currently, yes? Yes, this is out currently. It's been out since March, and it's doing wonderfully well. Wonderfully well. Fantastic. And well, it should. It deserves it. Um, and then finally, of course. Yes. Tell the damn story, as always, is brought to you by Infinitum from yes. Tim Fielder. The cosmos-spanning, time-leaping tale from the earliest African warriors to the Afro-future only Tim Fielder can bring us this. It's a fantastic graphic novel. If you haven't seen it, order it. Then when you get it, sit down, strap in, and take adventure of a lifetime, ladies and gentlemen. All right, that's our sponsors for today. Wink, wink, wink. Wink, wink, wink. Hey, Alex Simmons. <laughs> What's up, y'all? Well, I, first, I got to rush out and buy all these books. No, that's right. I've got several of them. Okay. So, so hey, Chris, how are you doing? Um, actually, lots of stuff is, is, is up this week. Um, uh, I'm busy. I think we'll talk about that in a moment. We're also going to talk about creativity. We're going to talk about kids. We're going to talk about important issues. 
and writing and all that. But one of the first kids creative today. That's what yes. And 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 really the challenge is on multi levels. So we're gonna we're gonna be touching on that quite a bit today. Uh, but first, first we're gonna talk about without spoilers. We're gonna talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yes. Um, episode. Five. Episode five. You saw episode five? I what did saw, you think, I've sir? Seen what did all you think? Five episodes, but episode five. Episode Strongest strongest five. one so far, right? Yeah. I'm sorry. Episode five. That's uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. Episode cinco, man, was unbelievable. It was it was powerful, well written, well performed. Uh and the story, you know, I mean they've been working on this building to this but uh that episode the that one episode just brought together so many elements of the story that they've been building up and actually you know to marvel's credit the story that marvel has been telling over multiple films and tv episodes and actually if you want to get you know the alex simmons wayback machine that was written in the comic books I mean, because one of the reasons the films and the TV shows are doing so well is because they have this huge, huge vault of source material yeah. to go to, you know, thanks to a number of talented people. But the, the storyline for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, really, episode five just was so powerful, so powerful. And, there, and there's a multiple um, uh, cherry picking mm-hmm. in the Marvel Universe. You know, there's a story from Captain America and the Falcon back in the 70s. Mm-hmm. That a lot of this is pulled from. Then there's uh, Sam Wilson, Captain America, that there's right. elements of that in there sprinkled through. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, and of course, um, Truth, Red, White, and Black is yep. represented and really well represented. Kyle Baker, Kyle Baker, yep. yeah. Really yep. well represented in this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing I'd like to point out, spoiler free, you know, um, by now we can say a little bit about episode one. It yeah, opened really big, really big. There's a lot of money spent in the first 20 minutes of that episode to reel us in. I would say that episode five was probably half the budget of episode one. Probably. Mm. And the impact i would argue is is as great as every episode has been the episode episode 5 is probably has potential for the longest lasting deepest felt impact i i think also i would say that it is the episode that has dealt with the humanity of the characters the most yeah absolutely yeah. it was a humanity driven episode it was a character driven episode and that's that's the secret of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that's the secret of Marvel Comics from from the even if we use the Alex Simmons Wayback Machine, you know. And <laughs> oh. uh, 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 we're there. Um, you know, from the from the first attempt that uh, Stan Lee and Jack did with Fantastic Four was you know tell the stories the way we would tell them, and 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 Stan and Jack wanted to tell uh, superhuman characters but they wanted to stress the human they wanted mm-hmm. to tell the human side and there is no episode there is no segment 
of the Marvel Cinematic Universe that was more human than episode five of Captain uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, and again, you know, you do quality work. This is to paraphrase Omar Holman from last episode. You do quality work, you know, and it, it whatever you do, um, it tends to line up with mm-hmm. the, the the current zeitgeist or whatever. Um, we're at a trial that, you know, I was talking, I've been talking to people all week and we've been scarred by the video. We mm-hmm. know what happened. And yet we don't know what the result of this trial will be. You know, and I said that to one friend yesterday and he said, I said, you know, it just, it pains me that this should, this should have been open and shut. Right. And, uh, we don't know that we don't know which way it'll go. And, and he said, I've been to that area of America, you know, and, uh, been to Minneapolis and the divide there is wider and deeper and more dangerous than you can understand from New York, New Jersey, the, the Northeast, mm. you know, so-called liberal area. He says, same thing with Milwaukee, same thing with all these cities, you know, and he, he kind of threw something I t- tend to say in class back at me. He says, you know, you tend to say that the, the mindset that we have is this, thin strip on the east coast and a thin strip on the west coast and the rest of america is a different place with the possible exception of chicago and um as i as i worry about the outcome of that trial you know it is falcon and the winter soldier reminds me reminds hopefully a lot of us why we do creative stuff because you get little slivers of hope in uh, the, the uh, interactions of the characters in, in that piece. And I think that's why I think it's one of the more important pieces. I will, I will, I will often say that um, I show in my, in my screenwriting class, I sometimes show uh, as an example of, of dramatic form or, or some particular writing style, or even sometimes to help my students who have to do short films understand that you can tell a story in a short period of time. You don't need two hours or four hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll show a half-hour TV show from the from the 60s or 50s, you know, some of the dramatic stuff that was done. And I was... <laughs> so kids go to class to sit into your... T- uh, Alex Simmons Step into uh, my time machine. <laughs> and come out better for it. Absolutely. Yes, they do. Uh, but one of the things that, that you know... Uh, we we did was uh, one of the uh, students was and it was an adult student was saying uh, you know I, I think that I could tell this was going to happen in that episode and that was going to happen because it was the 60s and you know things were were not more naive or, or we're more savvy now whatever it was that he was saying <laughs> and, and I said you know on the on the one hand you're right there was a lot of storytelling where um, you were pretty much guaranteed something good was going to come out of it at the end you were going to have a happy ending. Um, and then there were some rare moments in good drama on television where you went, oh, I didn't see that coming. And I think what's happening now with a lot of television and films is society has become very jaded because we have seen even more 
terrible things because of you know social media and and, and the internet. And we we have access. We can see things happening almost instantly from anywhere in the world. And so ultimately, a lot of us have become more jaded, and subsequently, a lot of the media has become more jaded, you know, entertainment or otherwise. So a lot of the stories are heavy and dark, or heavy and intense, and and you can't have a happy ending. Maybe you'll have an ending. Ending. So I think that one of the things that's missing from some of the material that's done today is, you know, and in its own particular present day style, stories that say we have ethical choices to make. There is a right and a wrong. There are moral paths that people can walk. There, There's good and there's evil. These things do exist. These choices do exist. And some people will struggle to make the right call, to do the right thing. Whether they succeed or not might be the real question. And maybe we don't succeed as often as we would like. But the fact that someone is willing to try is an important lesson because otherwise more and more people are going to keep giving up. And I said all of that to say that I think that's one of the things that came out of this episode of Falcon and Winter Soldier is seeing Sam trying. Right. You know, Ben Wilson is the one who will try. Yeah. I don't know that he's going to get the happiest of endings. I don't think, you know, there's going to be, you know, the rebirth of Eden. (laughs) <laughs> but I know he's not going to stop trying. No. And, and I rubbed off on the Winter Soldier, too. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think that's, that's, you know, again, no spoilers. But I think, again, it's, it, to me, it's one of the reasons that Cap offered him the shield. I agree. I yeah. agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And um, in, in reading the, the trades of Sam Wilson, Captain America, um, you see how the media twists that, and you see how the talking heads back and forth use what is an honest and, and loving heart for their own ends, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's something that we, we still see. We still see, yeah, we still see that. Now, that ties in with, I think, the major question I want to talk to you today, um, or ask you today. Now, you are doing Kids Comic Con this month, um, and it is, uh, coupled with that this year, is a grant to teach uh, young people, especially young uh, guys um, of color, how, how to be creative, you know. And one of the things that haunts me um, in my classroom, and I, I want to see what you say about it, is that it's been a couple of years since my kids would be willing, you know, my students would be willing to say the Pledge of Allegiance, you know? Mm-hmm. And there's a line in episode five that, that refers to that, you know? Mm-hmm. And I look at what they've seen in their life. And I look at how America must look to young people coming up who have access to so much more information than we did. So, with all that in mind, I ask you, how? How do you tap in to young people, especially males who are reluctant to show their feelings, (laughs) 
and um, and kids of color who, man, imagine, I mean, we, we had terrible things happening when we grew up, but, you know, we'd have to go to a daily newspaper to see it. We'd have to, you know, you might see a glimpse of it on the on the seven o'clock or six o'clock news. Or but the here, these kids, they would, yeah, they would, they would can deep dive yeah. in whatever they want. Yeah. So how do you, as the co-founder of Kids Comic Con, as the uh, Uber, there it is, Kids Comic Con. Oh, oh, I, I lost it. Spanish. Oh, yeah, oh, just... I'm go- oh, there, oh I, there, there it is. There, no, that, that's funny. <laughs> co-founder, co-founder yeah. of Kids Comic Con. Yep. And possessor of superpowers, including yeah. invisibility. Yeah. Um, how do you help them tap into their creativity, their their wellspring of hope? Because you need hope to create. Well, you, you in, know, in times like this, it, it's you funny, know. Chris, because um, not not to contradict you, actually. Oh, go please. Yeah, but um, you know. It, Creativity in and of itself is is um, it's a it's a particular power. It's a particular experience, not necessarily fueled by hope. It's um, it's fueled by visions. You know, it, one can have positive and negative visions. One can have something positive or negative to say. One can have uh, anger. As the fuel, rather than than love and peace or well, I, desire for that. I agree with you, and yeah, I, but, I think all creatives have that. Where I'm going, though, but the piece I'm seeing is there's so many kids I see who shrug. And right. Say, but this that's what, what we have to get over. This, this is what I'm saying. Cool. It's it's the 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 challenge really uh, for us is inspiring and supporting young people in communicating their feelings, their visions, their thoughts in a way that frees them to look forward to the future and see themselves there in a positive way and then see goals that they can set for themselves or they can go after and that they can possibly achieve through a process of building towards that thing, working towards that thing. I think one of the greatest challenges, and in particular kids of color, you know, black, Hispanic, you know, and, and now with the, you know, the Asian hate stuff that's going on. Um, one of the things that a lot of kids are dealing with, just like you say, is they're being bombarded with a lot of media information, most of it negative. And not because everything that's going on on the planet is negative, it's because the media feels that negative sells. You know, negative gets a big hype. Negative has a dynamite PR department, you know, and they're working 24-7. Positive doesn't. Positive is, you know, it's like weekend warriors kind of thing. So kids are constantly bombarded with this negativity, and certainly it's going to turn you. It's it's turned tons of kids even before the last five years. I've I've been in this business now for over 30 years, and I've seen kids who heard from their relatives, from their family members that I didn't make it so you're not going to, or the white man's not going to let you, or nobody cares about poor people, or no, or you're too stupid this because you didn't have that, or you don't come from the right families. You know, all that stuff. But bottom line, kids are brought into this world 99% of the time. Children are born curious. And they are initially works of wonder. 
they want to discover things. They want to touch things. They want to smell things. They, they put stuff in their mouth because they're curious. They're trying to figure stuff out from almost day one. And it's when the society starts beating them down that they start losing hope. So part of what KCC has been doing through creativity is giving them permission. A, let your imagination flow. Let your imagination go bonkers and, and imagine yourself as X, Y, and Z. You know, if you want to read the Fantastic Four and imagine yourself on an, on an adventure with Johnny Storm and Sue and all those guys, fine. You want to, you want to read Captain America and the Falcon and imagine yourself on or the Avengers and you want to imagine yourself on that trip, fine. Do that. You want to see yourself as Icon or Luke Cage, fine. Do that. Storm, fine. Do that. Now, while you're doing what else do you see? What else is possible? And, and one of the things we're doing with this program, this is, um, we got a grant, a small grant, but we got a grant back in the, uh, December of 2020. We were awarded the grant. We didn't receive the money yet. Um, and it was for this program to work with young men of, of black and Hispanic in particular. Now, KCC works with kids, period. You know, that's, that's just our, 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 our mantle. But in particular for this grant, we're going to be working with particularly young men of color. And because, as you said, a lot of the young men, period, you know, the bravado, the, the machismo, whatever. Um, but then again, if you're marginalized, you have even more reason to sort of shrink back. So what we've been doing is one of the things is pointing out to them people of color who are artists who have made it or who are working at making it. The, the, the writings of some, the artwork of some, the music of some, uh, we are exposing them to more of that material because sometimes these kids have never heard that there was a Latino poet or that any blacks or black females or even are, are writing comics. You know, they, they don't know about it. If they don't see it in the movie or they don't see it on TV, they don't know about it. So we're trying to expose them to that material. And then we're using that material to get them to now think about what about creating your own thing? And where do you, where do you go with that? Uh, like with the sciences, you know, because again, if you can get kids excited about their future possibilities, then they understand why they've got to learn some stuff now. If, if I want to be, you know, uh, I don't know, like uh, uh, um, uh, if I want to work on software, you know, if I want to design software and stuff like that, I've got to understand computers now. I've got to understand programming now. I got to understand maybe mathematics now, blah, blah, blah. One of the things I show them is the Transformers. You know, they know the movies. They know the cartoon shows. But with the Transformers, I said, where did, what was one of the, the scientific facts or, or actual constructs that the Transformers were based on, the principles of Transformers were based on? And, you know, the kids go back and forth. Well, you know, it's a cartoon, this. I said, yeah, I know, but there was something else before that and something else before that. Eventually, I, I showed them that it's a Rubik's Cube because that's how <laughs> mechanics of the Transformers work, you know, You're right? And they go, oh, oh, man. All right. And so some, suddenly now this toy, the principles of this toy make sense as so many, you know, so many other possibilities. So now mathematics maybe makes a little bit more sense. You can apply mathematics to a toy to a cartoon character, to blah, 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 blah. 
So part of it is is helping them connect the dots, and mm. that's really important. Oh, and I'll say one more thing, and then I'll take another question from you. Uh, I was working with some fifth graders recently, and we were talking about um, aquatic superheroes. <laughs> right. Aquatic superheroes, right? And you got Aquaman for the DC Universe, and you've got Namor, the Submariner, for the Marvel Universe. Now, both of these guys are supposed to be the kings of Atlantis. So it's the same city, different universes, because one's DC and one's Marvel. But the thing that tricks me is almost every time Namor or Aquaman comes up from Atlantis, they're somewhere off the coast of New York or someplace in the United States. That's the way the comics work. Mm-hmm. And I said, so I'm sorry, it seems like the way I've read history, if there really was the city of Atlantis, it was on this particular island that was off the coast of Spain, right, near the Rock of Gibraltar. So I'm saying, if that's it, either these guys can swim really fast when they leave Atlantis and they could show up a few minutes later in New York City, or the whole island underwater moved, right? And I'm talking about this, and we're just talking about the principles. That, and one fifth grader says, well, wait a minute. If if the island sank off off of Spain, then the merman's language would be, and this is the kid's own words, would be derived from Spanish. And I said, yes, you're right. And that led the conversation right where I wanted it to go, even though I hadn't anticipated that from that little man. But that led the conversation to creating superheroes that come from other parts of the world, from South America, from Asia, from Africa. What would be the different influences if you were going to create your own characters, but they came from the places that your family are from, that or your ancestors are from, or your culture is based on? And so that's one of the things that we're doing, is, is helping them find joy in reaching back to their own heritage, their own culture, their own beliefs, and endowing their own characters with with abilities or with features that look like them. Oh, that's that's so huge. Um, Alex, you've been around for a while. Yeah, a few years. You have been a fan of creative stories. For most of that time. Yeah, oh, yeah, most of it. Since before I could actually read myself. How um, how long did you watch those stories before you saw someone who looked like you? I can honestly say that I watched a number of stories where there was nobody that looked like me until probably the 60s. But I will preface that by saying no heroic figures that look like me. Right. If I literally can remember watching when I was anywhere between 8 and 11 years old, Mm -hmm. uh, shows that were on television for kids, adventure shows for kids, and either the blacks in it were comedic relief or they were servants or native bearers in Africa, because you watch those Tarzan things, or Ramar of the Jungle, where their their assistant, their little... um, uh, guide and everything was was Willie, and he had a pet spider monkey called Babette, right? And and that yeah, Babette, Babette, call me here, Babette. All right, that was it. That was it for at least the first fourteen years of my life. Right. 
know, it was it was in the '60s that 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 imagery began to change slowly, and and literally, you know, it 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 was sort of surprising because I can remember being a kid and having people say, "Oh, there's going to be a, a a Negro or a colored man on Ed Sullivan," and everybody in the community was going to be watching television that night. Because Sammy Davis Jr. was going to be on Ed Sullivan, or a black comedian was going to be on Ed Sullivan. And that was a big deal. I can remember that. So I know. And and so my heroes growing up, those early years, my heroes were all white. I'm sorry. Except for Tonto. For Tonto, that's right. Except for Tonto. Uh, There was one other that always confused me. What was that? Uh, this guy right here, Doc Savage, the man of bronze, right? <laughs> yep. Now, it says so right right in his title, Doc Savage, the man of bronze, mm-hmm. right? Not the man of pale, milky white, pink, pink, no, yeah, right. right? Bronze. Yeah. Yeah. And all his money came from South America. Yep. So in my brain, I always thought he was South American. And then we would have, you know, conversations with, you know, other nerds at the time. And they would be like, no, 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 he's, he's white. I said, no, it says so in the title. He's bronze. He's a guy of color. He's, you know, we didn't say uh, people of color, you know. I said, he's, he's got to be South American. I said, well, Savage isn't a South American name. I said, it's, what kind of name is that? It's, you know, <laughs> no one gets called Savage. What are you talking about? You know, no one gets called Doc either. Come on, it was you know, it is what it is. Um, but yeah, I always thought I always that kind of always stuck in my craw. You know that he wasn't celebrated, has never in his entire has never been celebrated as a person of color, even though he is known as. I th- I think that one of the things they played with. And and I I was not a big Doc Savage reader. I think I read maybe two or three of the stories. But I seem to vaguely remember between the novels and the comic book run that Marvel did, right, there was right. some reference to his mother being South American, but his father being an explorer or an adventurer of, of who's Caucasian. Yeah, so yeah. I think I think they were playing that game. Well, what daddy got all his money from the mines, the gold mines of South America? So, you know, listen, colonizer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's talk a little more in detail because, um, you know, one of the things that, that can directly affect our listenership is that, you know, they might be writers on the, of their own or creatives, you know, and adults. Mm-hmm. But everybody comes. Everybody comes in contact with kids. Mm-hmm. So we're going to pass along some of the Alex Simmons magic today, <laughs> so that if and when they are nephew or their niece or you know someone in the neighborhood or whatever has you know some possibility, some you know, or maybe it's a rainy day and you you know tap into that creativity. So. You're talking about getting them to see the common denominators, right? Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, Rubik's Cube, Transformer, that kind of stuff. And, you know, superheroes, well, what would they look like if they came from your family or from your neighborhood or from your, 
you know, the, uh, your country of origin. Okay, so that's really a, that's a cool what if, right? What do we do next? Do we give them a pencil and paper? Or do we give them, get them to a computer? Do we just let them sketch? Do we let them draw stick figures? Where do you go? And, and how do you celebrate that to give them confidence and then give them what would be editorial uh, a consultation? <laughs> <laughs> um. There, there's, there's, uh, you know, there, there's curriculums that I've worked out over the years when I do these workshops. Um, but there's a rule, there's a rule of thumb that uh, there's no judgment. That's the first thing. <clears throat> because I mean, first off, if I were, if I were strictly the Joe Kubert school, and I was going to be training the next batch of fantastic comic book artists, I might have a different yardstick for measuring their accomplishment. Yeah. But that's not what this is about. But this, this is to get them into the pool. <laughs> This is, get, this is to get them not exactly into the mood, but also get them to trust themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and you, you can't do that by judging everything that they do in, 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 mm-hmm. in micro inches and things like well, that. Do that. I would say that the judgments have to be positive. Cool. Great. You know, encouraging. Well, I, right? I, when I use the word judgment, uh, I'm using it from a negative standpoint. So right. observations, right. observations and critique of the work or support of the work should come from a positive standpoint. So for instance, uh, especially if I'm working with a a group of kids and there's going to be different skill levels, totally, you know, even in terms of communication. So the first rule is everybody gets to play. Everybody gets to come up with their own characters. And if you can't draw it, write it out. If you, you know, or if you prefer to draw it, fine. Um, I tend to, help them, those who like would do the stick figures, if they're really, really like can't sort of stretch, they really want to stay with stick figures, then they're going to draw the stick figure and then I'm going to say, okay, so help me out here. What would they have on their heads or what would they have on their arm? Okay, write that next to it. Write that next to it. And I'll guide them along those levels. Hmm. But I also tend to do a little quick drawing exercise with kids, which makes it a little bit easier. I show them that everything they see and just about everything that's drawn, you know, is, is shapes. And so that I'll give them like a circle for the head and then a little short rectangular box for the neck and then a long rectangular box for the chest. And I'll divide the arm into two rectangles or two long ovals, right? And we'll do it in light pencil. So that they have sort of like one of those mannequin figures with the arms outstretched and legs, right? And now, over that, design your character, design your costume, you know, whatever it is. So I'll help them build a frame that they can then draw on. And, and that's just, you know, that's for the kids who, who want to do that or who want to uh, use illustration as a way of building up. A lot of times, though, kids just want to put the pencil to the paper and go for it, in which, in, in which case I let them. And you mean writing or drawing or what? A problem. What are we talking about here? Excuse me? What do we mean? Writing, drawing? What do they want to do when they put pencils? A lot of times children will want, and again, children or young, younger people will want to just draw. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and that's, that's it. Fine. They immediately want to just start drawing. So fine, start drawing. And if they only draw the head, okay, then again, write down what the rest of the character might have or not. 
If they want to draw the head and the body and they can do it on their own, fine. If it's out of proportion, not a big deal. It's, it's all about getting the ideas down. And that's where I said, you know, judgment. Don't judge whether something needs to be proportionally correct or anatomically correct. No, it's not important. Let them get the ideas out. Let them get the ideas down in some way. Encourage them to do that. And then dialogue with them for clarity. Not for criticism, but for clarity. And how you, how you phrase that is important. Mm-hmm. Could you give us an example? Yeah, well, okay, so for instance... Like, you can't go up and say, what the hell is that? <laughs> oh, no, I shouldn't say that. Dang, I knew there was something that, like that. That, that was my mom's style. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I would say that, you know, like, for instance, I'll see a character and I'll see something, some sort of jagged line on their chest, and I'll say, oh, okay, so uh, I'm seeing character here, you know, it's it looking kind of strong and powerful from the way you've drawn him, um, but I'm not quite clear... Uh, what is is this? And if if I want to take a guess at it, I will. Is, it, is this a design on the on the shirt uh, or the chest? And they'll they'll say yes or no. Um, or I'll say, is, are these? Sometimes you can tell it's, it might be buttons or it might be gadgets. So I'll say, you know, this is you know, this makes me feel. When I look at this, it makes me think about buttons on a control. But I don't I don't know. I mean, maybe that's not. It's just me, right? And I'll phrase it like that. So I will take on the weight of being wrong. As opposed to putting wrong on them. And let them teach you. Yeah, absolutely. Because it, it's... Well, these are lasers. Yeah. Oh. Did you tell? I'm, I'm sorry, because, you know, I see it now. You're right. I was thinking something else, but then, hey, I'm weird. Now I see so, it. Now I, I take it. I take that on because it's okay for me. It's okay for me to... For them to let me know I was wrong. And they're, they're, this is exactly what they were going for. And if... Like he says, it's like maybe you say, might say, oh, yeah, he's shooting lasers from his hand. Oh, you know, you know, there's a trick. There's a trick in comics. You ever notice when, when somebody's firing like electricity or something from their hand, they do this trick with the drawing? Yeah. So if you do this and this, oh, wow. And then they'll make an adjustment. Okay. Yeah. So it's always about supporting what they've done. And then if you can, show them a technique of something simple that they can use just to take it to that next level. Or to clarify the illustrations or clarify the writing. Like sometimes they'll misspell almost every other word. And, you know, so I'll be reading and I'll say, you know, I'm thinking um, you're saying that he has um, electrical uh, diodes um, or is this dominoes? He says, no, diodes is right. So, okay, good, good. I was, I was, you know, the glasses, right? And again, I'll take. The hit. Take the brunt. Yeah, you take the I'll hit. take the hit. Right. So these so are I, these are things that I tend to do is is again to keep encouraging them to keep going forward. Yeah. How um how far into this process will you go with kids? Depends on the length of the project. If it's a one shot, I'm only there for one visit. Then it's just about creating the characters, giving them some some critiquing um um, not critiquing some uh, support and ideas on how to take it to a next level without me around, you know, encouraging them to say, hey, you know, you can keep going with this. You can do this with that. And do you have any story idea? What, what kind of story would you like to do with this character? And they might say something. Say, you, you should write that down so you don't forget it. Right. Just, just write a sentence there. So you have that so that they know that when this program ends, that doesn't mean they're creating. They keep going. Yeah. Uh, do you do you say that? You know, keep going. Yeah. This is great. Yes, yes, absolutely. I say it all the time. 
if I'm going back for like two or three or four more sessions, then I help them develop it further each time. So that again, each time they they hit a milestone, each time, and they're watching the process. And I tend to, like if I'm gonna teach them the pencil, ink, uh, and letter, I'll show them how to pencil first, how to do some lettering, Uh, we're talking very basic, and then how to ink all that, but not ink on top of the original artwork. I'll have them ink on an overlay. Oh, cool. And then they say, well, why do I have to do that? I said, because none of us, including me, are professional inkers. And if you make a mistake with your inking on your original drawing, that thing that you put in all that time on, what happened? Oh, it'll get messed up. Right. So if you do it this way on the overlay and you make a mistake, hey, toss it. Bring in another overlay. And you can always look at the two of them and know how you got here in case you want to do it again. Cool. Um, let's have some fun and then we'll go a little further. Okay. I'm going to ask you to, um, you know, enter the, uh, the Alex Simmons time machine, or the, <laughs> but not go way back. We're just going to go to some of the classes that you have taught. Right. Okay. And let's see if you can, uh, revisit maybe one of the funnier or one of the more out, uh, out, you know, really super creative ideas that a kid came up with. Wow. That's, that's a, that's a rough one. Uh, while you're thinking, I will. I'll make a confession to fill up space while you're thinking. Okay, good. So when I when I was a kid, myself, uh, myself, and a friend of mine, Kevin O'Hearn, uh, who has been gone 44 years today. This is, we're recording on April 17th. He died when we were 15. Um, but you know, when we were 12, 13, 11, 12, 13, we were um, heavily into comics and heavily into creating. So. Um, Someone got me um, a nothing book. Really remember these things in the 70s? It would be a hardbound book, and in it would be pages and pages with nothing on it. Uh, blank pages, yes. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was sold as the nothing book. Fill it up with your own ideas. So um, this is where we would put um, our fully developed superheroes. <laughs> so there were, there were like 20 of them in there, you know? Um, and 19 of them were absolute direct plagiarism from Marvel and DC. <laughs> I was, was like, sure, stretchy guy and, you know, go on fire guy, you know, that sort of stuff. But my friend Kevin, since, you know, since it's his anniversary, I'll tell you, he drew one, right? And, uh, Beatles haircut. Mm-hmm. Little, little, uh. What would be like beats today, but they were the little headphones with a- antennas. And then the usual boxy body is like kids' drawer, right? And a big P on the uh, chest. And I, and I thought, who's this guy? You know, this is pressure man. This guy is the master of all kinds of pressure, you mm. know? And um, when, uh, when we did the unwanted years after Kevin had passed, um, I did a version of his name and I used that character and it's the opening um, where the, the doctor is going to find these victims and there's one and, and he's going like this and he actually explodes. I forget the name of the uh, artist who did the, the pages for me. Oh yes, I think it was in Guyan. Um, oh geez, yeah, I remember I remember his really great Really great artist. I was, I was hoping to continue working with him, but things happened. Um, but it exploded from the pressure, and then he came back, and mm-hmm. he would do that several times a day. 
and it was in tribute to uh, a friend of mine who uh, didn't make it, you know? And that's one of the ways that we can incorporate our own experiences, you know, positive and negatives in, in a positive way by, you know, reflecting some of that in there, you know? So uh, that was my uh, fill in while we were hoping Alex could remember it. Well, you know, (laughs) yeah, right. So it's, it's, it's not that I remember something as, as cool as that, but I do remember uh, more so over the, over the past few years in particular, um, kids who were uh, by their teacher's uh, uh, admission uh, incorrigible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely stone-cold problems in the class, couldn't sit still, uh, disruptive, sassy, whatever it was. This is not your ideal student, and I don't know that they're ever going to do anything that we're going to be able to mark you know, an A on or whatever. And then this kind of a program would come. And, and suddenly the kid is shining, mm-hmm. you know, and there was this one, this, this two situations. There was this one young lady who was even in my group, a little, a little bit on the, on the, on the tense side, a little bit pushy, but I was looking at her work and she was doing a comic strip about this character. And one of the teachers was trying to get her to draw the people better. And I was saying, um, I said, can I, can I just get involved here? And the teacher said, oh, yeah, yeah, fine, fine, fine. And she scooted off. And I, I looked at the, the work, and I had noticed something. I said, how are you getting this wonderful design pattern for the backgrounds? I, you know, you've got, like, geometric shapes and, and patterns, but it's almost like cross-hatching, but it was like pop art for mm-hmm. backgrounds. And, and she was shapes and designs that theoretically shouldn't be able to go side by side, but they were. <laughs> they were actually pleasant to look at. And she says, I just do that. I said, well, do some more. Please, just keep going. And so she got more into that. I could care less about how well or poorly she drew the figures. Right, right, right. The backgrounds. Her She's a graphic artist. Design, which was cool, right? And when she saw that I was into what she was doing and I was supportive about that, she chilled out. Not completely, but she was now more focused on her work. Now, I'm sure an art therapist and some other folks would get in there and be able to diagnose that this child maybe has some sort of learning challenges or her maybe OCD or whatever it is. And, but her mind and her, her own innate skill had come up with a way of her seeing the world and relating to it. And I just hope. It's one of those things where I think I only had eight weeks with this person. Right, right, right. And I don't know where they are now, but I can hope and pray that someone else got it. Yeah. And this kid was able to continue because that's one of her outs. And there's like two or three situations like that. There was a young man who um, was, again, incorrigible, uh, and, but he wrote. He wrote, right? And, and he, would, he would duke it out with you in a heartbeat. And I said, what is, what is this? I said, man, because I know everybody thinks this of me and that. I said, well, okay, maybe I don't know that. But I'm looking at what you wrote in this essay, or I'm looking at this book that he, he kept a notebook mm-hmm. that he would put his thoughts into. I said, this is your power. This here is your power. And it, he, he kind of 
got it a little bit, and then he got into some more trouble, and I had to actually ask him to leave the class. But then he came back a few weeks later, saw what the other students had been able to accomplish, and then realized what he'd missed out on. And so I was able to say, look, you know, learn from this. The next opportunity, man, jump on it because this is still your power. The next opportunity, he got to work with a videographer, and he was, you know. So it's not about me. It's about supporting the kids when you, when you can point out to, the, the, to them something creative that they are doing that makes sense for them. And, yeah, you get it, too, or you see their potential or you're saying this makes you feel good. This is how you experience it. Go for it. Mm-hmm. If you can share that with them, it gives them an alternative to other things that might not be very positive in their lives. And, they, you know. The thing we have to remember is sometimes we say things, you know, in a positive way. We want to do that. And we don't get to see the The end result. We don't get to see the end result. We don't get to see uh, when it hits, when it clicks for them. But that doesn't mean you don't say it. It doesn't mean you don't, you know, be that representative of... um, positivity and uh, uh, kind of a you're not, we're not um, we're not the gatekeepers we're the gate openers yeah I would just want to say um, probably the greatest example of this that I, I can think of is not me to another child or student but was me as a student. Because, and I may have told this story on one of our previous 185 episodes. Uh, but, yeah, right. But um, when I was in middle school, junior high at that time, the way we called it, but I was in middle school, and it was my last year of middle school, and we were supposed to be applying for high schools. And a lot of the kids that I knew were applying for high schools in the neighborhood of Manhattan. And um, I wanted to apply for music and art and the High School of Art and Design, so mm-hmm. schools that I had an interest in. And I had gone to see our guidance counselor who told me, don't bother. She said, no, you're not going to make it. It's not, it's not really likely. You know, it's very tough schools to get into, and you know, uh, your grades aren't superlative, and yada, yada, yada. And so you know, I left thinking, oh, God, okay. And I went from her office to my next class, which was with uh, a teacher named Mr. Purr. still remember his name. And Mr. Purr was a sandy-haired white guy, you know, sort of scruffy. Not scruffy, but sort of a wild haircut, right? Um, And he came in, and I was setting up for the class just the way the rest of the students were. You know, you get your supplies out, get your paper laid out. And we're doing our usual routine. And I guess he knew I was supposed to see the guidance counselor or whatever. So he came up to me, and he said, you know, uh, blah, 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 what did you see Miss so-and-so, and what did she say? I said, oh, she told me not to bother to, to apply for any of the art high schools because I wouldn't make it. And I'm, I remember, I was just putting my stuff out. It wasn't like I had an attitude. I wasn't crying. I was just, oh, that's what she said. He said, oh. And he, st- he looked at me for a moment, and then he turned and walked out of the room. Now, that's not what he normally did. Right. He normally would monitor us while we're setting up. He walked out of the room. So, you know, the rest of us, maybe we were horsing around a bit, but we're setting stuff up, and then we were talking. And the next thing I know, Mr. Purr is back. Can't tell you how long he was gone. Right. And he's taking off his corduroy jacket, suit jacket, 
with the with the uh, suede bow patches, right? I remember that coming off, dark brown corduroy jacket coming off, and he flings it on his chair and he starts rolling up his sleeve and he says, you and I are going to be working on your portfolio. Boom. And I'm thinking, what did I do? You know, why is he mad at me? You know, and I'm thinking, Dad, you know, did I mess up? Did I? And for two weeks, every every chance he, I was in his room working my portfolio, doing drawings, doing some painting, getting my stuff together. I wound up applying to both high schools. Mm-hmm. I wound up being accepted to both high schools. Now. I then go back to see my guidance counselor. Don't ask me why I did this. I don't clearly remember reasoning it out. But I went into her office with my head low, my shoulders slumped, and I said, I just found out, got the word back from the high schools that I applied to. Mm -hmm. And and I made it to both. Thank you. And walked out. (laughs) I don't know why I did that, but a few years later, I found out that that guidance counselor had discouraged a number of other black kids from applying to any specialized high schools. She was white. Mr. Purr was white. Totally different reaction. Mr. Purr had my back. Yeah. You know, and if he had not done what he did, I don't know that I would have wound up on the path that I wound up on. Well, yeah, yeah. I, um, I made art design. You did too. Yeah, uh, Hans, the Kevin O'Hearn, the guy whose anniversary it is today, and I applied and I made it. And uh, my mother was very, 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 very verbal about no, huh? It was a no, big no. I would be, I would die, you know, if I left my neighborhood. Okay, and then she. You know, I also, because we went to Catholic school, I had to apply to Catholic schools, and I, I made all them too. And uh, she heavily marketed uh, going to Cardinal Spelling, which I eventually went because they had an art program, and uh, that was out of my neighborhood. <laughs> and it was, you know, and it was in, you know, it was in another neighborhood that um, was not the only place on the planet that was safe. You know, you know how mothers are and stuff. (laughs) um, You know, it turns out that she had a, you know, one of her girlfriends, her daughter had gone and and another of her girlfriends, her daughter was going and, and she wanted to have a member of the family. And I was, you know, I'm a little bubblehead. What do I know? I don't know any of that stuff, but yeah. Yeah. What could have been? Yeah. You know, what could have been that could fill up an encyclopedia? You know what I'm talking about? So you don't think about that. You go with where you're gonna go for. So the reality, the reality is Tim Fielder, infinitum, infinitum. Teacher at at at, at yeah. art and design. He what? He was a teacher at art. And design. Not not when I was going there as a student, but he was a teacher, you know, at art and design. How long ago? Oh yeah, maybe uh, I don't know, six seven years ago. Oh, see, I, I probably would have graduated by that. Yeah. Thank I, you. I'm going to be your waitresses. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but, no, but again, you know, again, in, in what we've been talking about today, again, in, talk, in talking about creativity, about inspiring young people and in, in particular people of color, um, you know, I think one of the lessons that 
that we all need to learn. And, and even this is a piece of something that shined in the Falcon and the Winter Soldier is count your friends and your enemies by their actions, mm-hmm. not by anything else. No. Because some of the people who've had my back have not looked like me at all. Some of the people do. Yeah. yeah. You know, and that's that's just a reality. But I also think that, you know, when we think about and people have talked about, you know, the responsibility of, of black people to support their own. Absolutely. You should turn around and do that. It doesn't have to be the only thing you do. But yeah, give a hand up. Give a hand up. Absolutely. And try and guide the kids on a better path because somebody helped you. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Now, somebody uh, should have. Yeah. while we're talking about that, let's mm. get to what could be the final story, the final question of the day, unless you want more. Um, you know, there are people out there watching or listening, um, listening, you know, yeah. and um, they might know kids. They might have kids. And uh, now they're interested in trying to get a little, a little taste of that Alex Simmons magic. You know, <laughs> kids Comic Con is, uh, you know, is, is is coming up, right? So let's talk about how they might be able to kind of see some or, or chime in or, you know, get some news or, or any of that stuff. Well, A, uh, we have a Facebook page. It's a Kids Comic Con Facebook page. It's K-I-E-S Comic Con uh, on Facebook. So it's three words. Yeah, yeah. Kids Comic Con on Facebook. We also have a website, kidscomiccon.com. That's on the web. Yeah, it's pretty clear. Um, We (laughs) have an Instagram account. It's not Kids Comic Con. It's KCC Fun for All. And the four is the number four. Right. So it's KCC Fun fun Number Four. All, yeah. On Instagram. Right. Yeah, so, on Instagram. So they and, should be able to go there and find some stuff and have some fun. Yeah, and and we're having we're having we're getting our, our website revamped. Um, that's another thing that we're doing because of some of the programs we're doing. Um, some of the programs we're doing with the uh, Young Men's Initiative, um, the grant that we received, yes. uh, is we're doing something that's called KCC Inspire Me, and we're having a number of artists. Uh, talk about some of the challenges and things they've gone through to get where they are uh, and, sh- and making demonstrations and showing kids how to do this. Uh, we also have uh, Myths, Magic, uh, I'm sorry, Myths, Mass, Legends, and Me, which is showing uh, how to creatively look at your culture, your, your race, your religion in an artistic fashion and pull from that to inspire your art and also get to know a bit more about yourself. And then we have the science of superheroes, which is talking about how we go from science fact to science fiction. These are all things we're doing in workshops and uh, interviews and on panels virtually, partially because of COVID. Because over the years before, we were doing it live in workshops, right? right? Uh, This year, uh, once again, we're going to have to do a virtual KCC uh, event. And so we're doing... um, uh, short. It's only going to be like two, three hours on May first. It'll May be 1st, first, okay. May first, so you'll be able to access KCC Day, <laughs> although it's only going to be two to three hours. But KCC um, on uh, May first, that's a Saturday, from 10 a.m. to 1 p.m. That's cool. So right. that's a that's a good thing. Parents, spread the word. 
you know, let's get a bunch of people there, a bunch of young people there, May 1st, 10 to 1. Yeah. Uh, go to kidscomiccon.com or Facebook page, Kids Comic Con, or Instagram, Kids CC Fun for Four, four, number yes. four, all. Numero four, cuatro. Yes. And um, I've been um, honored to be a part of this, some yes. small, tiny part, for a long time. Off and on, here I am, and all that sort of stuff. Where I feel, like, you know, sometimes I feel like I can be useful, and sometimes Alex says, "Yes, you are. You are. There's a moth <laughs> over there." <laughs> yeah, always. Um, but I, but the, the best, the best, the best absolute best part of it is uh, when you see the kids creating. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we were at um, New York Comic Con hired you one time to do a, like a kids Comic Con alley type thing, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my f- absolute favorite memories of uh, going to different things with you. There's a few we can't tell on this show. Not this <laughs> well, but uh, never mentioned Right. That's out of Chicago. We can't tell the stories. Um, but at New York Comic Con, you were, I, I was kind of manning your table and could see you teaching the class. And you were in the middle of all the workspaces, you know, little tables and stuff. And it was little kids and they had magic markers or crayons or whatever. And they just the think that little hands were a blur as they were creating and you were just... It was just, if you've listened to any of these 185 episodes, you've heard the positivity that is Alex Simmons, right? And imagine that unchained for these kids. And they're just working and hearing compliments and working and hearing compliments. In that case, ladies and gentlemen, take a little of Alex Simmons with you today. Be positive. Say some great things to kids. Smile at them. Ah, it's the best. It's the best. Let them know they can do what they... You know, they have a right to, to do what they want to do and create and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. That's 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 beautiful. Actually, you, you remind me of something my grandfather said to me uh, years and years ago. He said, um, "I we have built the platform this high. You are to stand on it and go farther. Well, that's fantastic. And, and it, yeah. it, it made sense to me when he said it because I was a knucklehead teenager. Sure. But a few years later, it clicked. Yeah. Our job is to do our best and and to set some sort of foundation that kids can stand on and outdo us because that's the beauty of it. That used to be the thing that I would confound my sons with. You know, uh, they would say something. Uh, they would, I don't know, something would happen and I would be pushing them, you know, onwards. And then it was like, well, you do that. I said, you're supposed to be better than me. <laughs> <laughs> What kind of a crazy? Of, what kind of crazy standard is that? Just be better than me. Yeah. Oh, Outdo me <laughs> and make me proud. <laughs> yeah. Thank God and through the, the grace of the goddess, they are. So yeah. you know, great you guy, know. great guy. All right. Okay, buddy. You take care. Everybody, take care. See you next Ooh. time, or if I don't see you, I'll hear you next time. Okay. Take care, Chris. Remember, Kevin. Peace. <laughs>